0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Minnesota football podcast hosted by the starting kicker of your Golden Gophers, Matthew Trickett, and me, Tony Liebert. Um, for today's episode, we'll talk about some more, more off-season stuff leading up to the bowl game. Um, The Gophers uh, have been busy in the transfer portal. We'll kind of talk a little bit more transfer portal. Um, And I guess, yeah, we'll kind of start there. I, I won't ask you to comment necessarily on the people that the Gophers have Uh, gotten commitments from because we all know that's not official until it's really official. But um, yeah, the Gophers have uh, unofficially gotten two guys from Western Michigan, Corey Crooms, who's a wide receiver who caught, uh, I guess, just for our fans, he caught 57 balls last year for 814 yards and five touchdowns Uh, second team all Mac. um, And he has a great chance, I guess, to compete for the starting slot role next season. Um, And then another Western Michigan player, Ryan Selig, who is a linebacker, recorded 72 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks last year. Um, He has another great chance to compete for a starting role next year. Um, Kind of in a position group that's going to uh, take a big, uh, I guess, it's going to look a lot different because Gopher fans have been used to seeing Mariana Sorimaran at that linebacker position. Now it's going to be, Combination of Cody Lindenberg, uh now, Ryan Selig, Donald Willis, and Lucas Finnessy Um, I guess my question for you, um we saw the Gophers now get two guys from Western Michigan, and I think that has a lot to do with uh Coach Harbo. who for those who don't know, is a the tight end coach for the Gophers. He used to coach at Western Michigan last year. So in your time getting recruited out of high school and transferring to the Gophers, uh, how much do you think position coaches play a role in recruiting? Because a lot of times, obviously, it's not the head coach Fleck coming into your house for an in-house visit or something. Kind of how, I guess, important do you think relationships are with those position coaches and assistant coaches?
0: Yeah, I would say you hit it right on the head. Those are extremely important because, you know, it's not, typically the head coach that's going to be recruiting you and you spend a lot of time with your position coach in those meeting rooms and they have to know how you operate, what motivates you, what is, you know, kind of off limits and just different things about you to get you going on and off the field and how to approach certain situations. Uh, Because I mean, in my time, I've realized quickly that each person is different and you have to coach them a little bit different. You have to talk to them a little bit different to get them to respond in the way that you want them to respond. So, you know, the head coach oversees everybody. He sees everything. So, you know, he's more of a team guy as a whole, whereas your position coach is, you know, responsible for your position. So, yeah, I would say position coaches are huge and, you know, especially in special teams, you get help from other position coaches in certain areas because, you know, there's only one special teams coordinator and he doesn't have a bunch of coaches underneath him to help out with, you know, the gunner on punt team or something like that. So yeah. position coaches help out in that aspect and I've gotten to know a lot of my other position coaches, you know, tight ends coach a lot, uh, DBs coach a lot, stuff like that. And, and I don't want to say that's completely the case for these two Western Michigan transfers, but definitely having somebody that you have worked with before and can trust is a huge part of that.
1: Yeah, like that That was something, I guess, that you know that uh, there were a lot of position coaches that took different jobs last off season. Um, and they, uh, coach Fleck and the Gophers had to bring in a lot of different guys. Coach Harbo was one of those guys. Um, do you think, I I guess, how uh, hard is it or how different is it when there is four or five new guys that are coming in and it kind of, I guess, do you think it changes drastically like with. Uh, team camaraderie and how quickly does I guess those guys get like integrated in kind of the team bonding aspect of it
0: yeah I mean it's different for timing wise as well since you know you can transfer in the, the spring or in the summer so I transferred in the summer and I found that's a lot harder to do just because you don't have as much time playing football with the team it's just you know, running and uh, lifting. And then with your position groups, you'll do that sort of work on your own. So you get close with your position group, but not so much with the rest of the team because you're not around them as much. In the spring, I would say it's a lot easier just because once you're the new guy on campus, everyone wants to figure out what you have to bring to the table. And spring practices, you're able to show that off a little bit more because you're not, reserved for a game or anything like that. You really use that time to work on your craft and get better. So in the spring, I mean I've have seen even with the freshmen that enter in the spring, it doesn't take long for them to get integrated into the team. Like you kind of watch them the first couple practices and understand what the work work ethic is like. And then you know just guys being dudes really
1: yeah especially with college football now that's kind of the interesting part that there is so much turnover with the roster obviously in offseason like last year with a few coaches that um I would almost imagine that the good teams and the teams that have a culture and a program set up it's kind of that transition isn't isn't necessarily so hard for them. And it it just, they just kind of hop into the machine and uh, work with all the other parts, like the players on the team. And I feel like that kind of what separates good programs between great programs. Yeah. And
0: it needs to be especially clear in recruiting kind of what the team purpose is, what drives them and their goals, because I think everybody in college football wants to be the best they can be. So there's really no, difference there but in recruiting you know you can look around at all the different college programs and how they go about their business and you know what motivates them what are their end goals and stuff like that and you really have to find a place for you and at Minnesota you know it's it's a tough place to be just because of the way we work and the conference that we're in and you know, it's, it's not easy. So I like seeing small school guys get brought into this program because, you know, those small school guys understand that you may not have all the advantages of a bigger school, but you're still required to work at the same rate, if not even higher to get to that level.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, Everyone tries to obviously make this big deal out of the transfer portal. That oh, uh, we lost this guy. It's the end of the world. Uh, we're not going to get this guy, and it really is um kind of like a linear thing. At the end of the day, you lose uh, some guys who might have been starters next year, or who were starters this year, and you get two more guys that can compete for a starting role. It just you, it's it's like any sport in general. You. Uh, lose a spot and you have a hole on that team and you replace it with another guy and I think that's kind of what the Gophers uh, did with these two additions and I it it just shows you that the transportal is not like this end of the world that people make it out to be it just it's just more roster turnover than it has been 20 years in the past and it, it just it the roster construction now uh i i was talking with someone like, oh, about this before that it, it's it's almost harder in college football than i think it would be in like pro sports because you get you need like a whole college scouting department just to scout all these guys in college and then you even get guys at the fcs level at the junior college level and then you get all of the high school prospects and it's just um, such a bigger player pool than it would be in pro sports that, like, there's 132 uh, FBS teams, and then you throw in another 70 FCS teams, and you know how many high school teams there are. It's just, it I could not imagine the, I guess, 24-7 nature of December in college football because you see Coach Fleck, he's... Um, Going to a state cha- championship game in Pennsylvania for uh, one of the running back recruits and then uh, signed two Western Michigan transfers two days later. It just, I, I could not even imagine being a head coach in college football right now.
0: Yeah. The roster construction is huge. I mean, just as a specialist, I've seen so many specialists enter the transfer portal. And, you know, a lot of the guys that I've seen have starting roles so it's not necessarily for playing time it could be for team culture it could be to be closer to home and at the surface level nobody really knows why someone is transferring but I mean it's it's crazy and you have to as a head coach find a hundred guys with the same goals and the same mission drive purpose and somehow unite them for a 12-game season to go win a championship. I mean, it's – I want to say it's harder than it's ever been to do that just because of all these new transfer rules. You don't have the four years to work with somebody. You don't have the ability to tell everyone on your roster, just be patient, your time is coming. Because who knows? Like somebody could go down and then the freshman's being put in or you're behind a four year all american starter like you don't know and these different circumstances create situations where guys want to stay want to leave and there's there's so much that goes into it now i i, I don't know if i could do it
1: yeah Uh that it's kind of the thing that i always tell uh, people that hate on the transfer portal that if I'm a college student and I can transfer to Iowa State tomorrow and have zero repercussions and just pick up with my class, I find it how before it's just odd that if you're an athlete and you transfer, then you have to sit out a year. You can't uh, play. You have to get a waiver. All this stuff. It just the stuff like that, and especially now with NIL. And I, it, I always thought it was insane that like you couldn't have like a YouTube channel and make money. It just odd. Uh, like, there's, there needs to be some freedoms, and the athletes need to be treated like people because they are. And mm-hmm. I think it's obviously a step in the right direction. And it's just – uh, when you make such drastic changes, especially one of them this year is the first year that they're kind of doing like a window, like the Transportal opened, I think, a week ago today, so on the 5th, and then I think it closes like the 18th. And, like, I think that's uh, a good idea. Like, almost doing it kind of like how European soccer has, like, the transfer window. Mm. Um, and Because it makes sense. Because having the transfer portal open 365 days a year, I think, is a little chaotic. And it just – I think over time, these smaller rules and regulations are going to make it a a cleaner process. But, uh, like anything, it just – you got to sometimes jump into the deep end and uh, survive. And that's kind of, I think, what's happening right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree. You know, trial by
1: fire in a lot of these cases. Um. Yeah, so uh, I guess kind of now looking ahead, uh, a few other things that happened in the offseason. The college football awards were last Thursday. Um, and I guess I think most Gophers fans and got players on the team thought it was um a little weird that John Michael Schmitz did not win the Remington trophy. That 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 was one that um it, it it was interesting to see. Obviously, people start to have their hypothesis of why that it's it's more about the logo on the helmet than the name on the back, but and all this stuff. But um I guess uh situations like that. How do uh I, I know Everyone in the locker room doesn't, and Coach Fleck has built a culture that it's not an individual awards, not all this stuff. But when you're kind of in between the bowl game, uh, you obviously don't have uh, games to prepare for. So kind of how does everyone in the locker room react to stuff like that, the all Big Ten teams, all these postseason awards? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain for most of the team,
0: Throughout the season, we completely forget about the awards. Um, you just go out there, play your game, and then at this time, we're like, "Oh yeah, the awards are coming." <laughs> like, <laughs> I wonder what I could potentially qualify for and stuff like that. So, I don't think anyone's you know focused on getting, hitting certain milestones to achieve an award or something like that. But it is true that team success does breed individual awards. So. You know, you are going to see the Michigans, the Ohio States receive most of the awards because they're the teams that have won the most games. And it's a lot easier for people voting to say, yeah, this guy definitely had to contribute a lot of success to this team because they won a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for certain awards, that may or may not be true. And it's not up to us to decide, it's not up to the players to you know, get together and decide who is the best of them. But, you know, I think at this point it's more for the fans to, you know, stay engaged in each individual player and kind of campaign for their own players and whatnot. But yeah, I would, I think everyone on the team was really shocked that John Michael Smith didn't win that award because to us, it's clear. I can't say I've watched a lot of center play from around the nation, but yeah, I mean John Michael Schmitz is as solid as they come. So I, I don't know. It, to me, it's not uh, it's not a true indicator all the time of who really is the best, but it kind of can be a popularity contest. It can be, uh, yeah, like you said, the logo on the side of the helmet, just there's so much that can go into it and I'm not exactly sure how those are decided. If it's media, if it's coaches, I know there's some of both, Uh, but you know, that's, that's not the end goal for any of us. There's many goals beyond that, that we can contribute to. We can't always make up the minds of other people and what they believe. So while it is disappointing for, you know, John Michael Schmitz to not win those awards, or for Mo to be snubbed out of the running back award, like it is what it is. Um, we're disappointed for the short term, but in the long term, we know that that's not really going to matter. So, yeah, we yeah. don't take we don't take it too harshly for that long.
1: Yeah, I. I think that's the only way. I guess you can handle it. Like it, I would imagine postseason award. They're a meant. They're I think meant to almost just be a reward for your season, rather than you're working towards this yeah. trophy. You're more obviously working towards wins and team success, and then it's meant to award the best players in the country. But um, I guess from your point of view, I've always thought um, that. More awards, I think, should be voted on the players sometimes. Um, I mean, in a situation like the center uh, trophy that um, I guess necessarily all the players aren't watching tape of everyone around the country, so maybe in a situation that's not um, completely linear. But do you think um, media should – vote on these awards do you think it should be coaches do you think it should be players do you think it's decided correctly or kind of uh if you were i guess there's not a commissioner of college football but like uh what do you think's the most sound way to get the most rewarding people to win these awards
0: yeah that's a that's a very very great question (laughs) because You know, coaches have so much on their plate already, looking at scouting the other team and building a game plan. and They may be studying, you know, the center of the other team, but are they really going to take the time to study everybody else? Uh, Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if that would be giving, for example, say you're looking at centers and the O-line coach – or the D-line coach is evaluating each team's center guard tackle and how they can game plan against them. And then throughout the week, if those D-line coaches were to give each offensive lineman a grade in their opinion, and then since everybody's going to be playing the 12 games, you're going to get 12 grades from these different coaches. And then you kind of average those out and, I don't know. There could be a lot of different ways you could, you know, look at this. But I believe coaches and players kind of know best. There are those uh, grading, scouting reports that get released every week. And some people agree with them. Some people don't. If you do agree with them, Brevin Ford should be all Big Ten first team. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, if you don't, then somehow he's just honorable mention. So, you know, there's a bunch of different things like that. And, you know, we could debate about this all day. In my belief, I think coaches and players kind of have the best insight on who truly is the best at what they do. Uh, sometimes numbers don't lie, but people – create different stories with the numbers, you know, for kickers. If you look at straight field goal percentage, then that's how you determine your best kickers. That's not always the case. There's different aspects that go into kicking that not everybody can see.
1: So yeah, I would assume that kicking, it's kind of almost unlike basketball where uh I know analytically uh, popular thing in basketball now is like true shooting percentage where they uh, calculate uh, like if you take 23s and you make 10 of them compared to taking 20 layups and making 10 of them, it's more impressive that you made 10 threes and 10 layups. It's like if you kick 20, 30 yard field goals and you make 10 of them, it's less impressive than if you kicked 10, 50 yard field goals and make 10 of them.
0: Correct, yeah. So there's a lot that plays into the different awards, but I think it is interesting to have media vote on it since the media is the one telling the story of each player. So, you know, having that aspect is an aspect that I think fans need to stay engaged in the game. They need somebody to be the storyteller and it's not always going to be perfect, but that's, that's how it is right now. And maybe there could be some change or like two different voting systems, but I don't think that's going to change anytime soon.
1: Yeah. If uh my opinion would be that they just need to have, I guess, more, uh more like qualifications to vote. Cause I think, uh not to like call like anyone out or anything but like when you start looking at like the people who vote for the Heisman and people who vote for some of these awards they're not watching all the games anyway so I'd much rather trust a uh offensive line coach who might have only watched 10 plays of uh of Clemson football this year than uh reporter who covers uh missouri football saying who won the heisman trophy when he didn't watch a single tcu game Mm that uh it it just there's a lot of people sometimes that just don't watch the games and like there are some media members that are completely locked into all the games and they know what's going on and i think when that's the case when there there's kind of half and half or a mix of people like that that's when you get more into the narrative-based voting where they're they're like, oh, who had the best storyline for the Heisman? And they're like, oh, I'll vote for that guy. Everyone was talking about that guy. And yeah. I, I don't necessarily know who's voting for all of the individual awards when you get into the Remington and the Doke Walker and stuff. But I, you would imagine that it kind of gets into the same thing, that it's the people who are trending on Twitter sometimes just get more votes because that's who the people voting know of. Yep. Yeah. I guess now uh, kind of looking into uh, what I guess happened this weekend, the first weekend with no um, Big Ten football. There's uh no Gophers football last week too. But uh, did, I know you mentioned you guys had practice during the week, but uh, I guess looking into the personality of Matthew Trickett, what what, what do you do on an average uh, Saturday night when there's no game to prepare for?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, luckily the men's hockey team was in town. So, me and a bunch of the O linemen, uh, you know, I live with a bunch of O linemen here. So, I spent a lot of time with them. And O line has kind of been my family this year. So, we all went down to the men's hockey game to support in the border battle. Um, the Friday night game was a bit late, and it started at eight. So, we opted for the Saturday game, and so we went to that. Uh, you know, had a good time, and then came back. Uh, really, just relaxed, watch some other sports, whatever's on uh, ESPN, and then play some video games, go to bed. Really.
1: Uh, are you an Xbox or a PlayStation guy? Xbox. Xbox. Yep. Uh, what? 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 what game do you play? What's your go-to? Yeah, right now
0: it's Call of Duty for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the time of the year that it is. Every year it gets released, what, early, middle November. And I think everybody on the team kind of plays Call of Duty. Everyone's talking about it in the locker room. Everyone's, you know, playing with their different squads. Uh, and a lot of shit talking goes on. and you know, who's the best, and what's your KD, what's your highest yeah. kill to be, stuff like that, so it just adds another competitive edge to some guys, and we can yeah. debate about it all day, who's better, and everyone's pulling up their clips of their highlight tape, really, for video games and whatnot, so it's fun. It It's, a, it's an aspect that you know, sometimes gets overlooked in college football because it's just guys being themselves in their free time. So it's fun. You get to see guys' true colors and, you know, how they compete off the field, too.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's just guys being dudes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what, uh, who are the offensive linemen that you room with again? Yeah, so
0: I live with Jackson Rushmeyer, JJ Gaday, and Logan Purcell. Okay, and it's funny just because we're all we're all in a different recruiting class, we're all you know one year apart from each other, so we have Logan, who's the youngest, up to maybe a fifth year senior so it's it's fun to see where guys are at and
1: their different uh you know their journeys through college football yeah, I would imagine oh, I get a lot of different. Uh, personalities and stuff with that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess uh, we'll wrap it up there for this week. I guess heading into the uh, bowl game in the off season, we uh, might try to get a few more uh, interviews on the podcast, and we'll keep talking about the uh, transfer portal, recruiting, all all the off season stuff. Um, as always, I appreciate everyone for listening, and uh, row the boat, Scotty, man, go Gophers.